Hello, everybody. Michael Oss, Cedar Rapids Gazette here, thegazette.com. And with me is Nathan Ford of those same entities. And it's NCAA tournament week, and we're in Iowa, so we're going to talk about Iowa in the NCAA tournament. Kind of makes sense. Uh, Nathan, and I have never been to either the Grand Canyon or Grand Canyon University. Have you? I have not, unfortunately. It Which one would you rather go to? <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't really care for school. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I don't. Yeah, your background, I guess, gives it away a little bit. <laughs> I don't know how you can live in the United States for as long as I have. And never have been to the Grand Canyon, but, you know, there's people in New York City who've never been to the Empire State Building. Or Iowa. They've never been to Iowa either. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've never seen a Grand Canyon basketball game. I think I skipped past their game against New Mexico State Saturday because when I stopped on it, it was already a blowout. They must be good, are they? Well, I watched uh, I watched the replay of that game after finding out that's who Iowa would play. And, yeah, I mean, I think everybody that makes the NCAA tournament is good, not to use the coach speak cliche, but, I mean, they've won a lot of games. They haven't really beaten anybody of particular note, but it's a talented team. It's an experienced team. It's a team Iowa should beat, but, of course, they're, they're plenty capable – uh, of beating Iowa too. You know, before I get off this Grand Canyon thing, the university is 250 miles from the Grand Canyon itself. Does that make any sense? Oh, that's why I, I said I tweeted or I, I tweeted that I sometimes refer to the University of Iowa as Mount Rushmore University. Yeah, it's or Lake like, Michigan or something, you yeah. know, the Gateway Arch. It's good branding, I got to say. I think when when uh when just a random basketball fan is looking through the bracket they're like oh grand canyon that's that sounds more intriguing than iona well yeah and more imposing yeah i mean my gosh (laughs) have you ever seen a photo of that walkway they have there no it's like one of these deals where you can walk out over the canyon oh Uh, uh, it's it's not for the squeamish (laughs) uh the team i mean okay it's i think it's a pretty wide assumption that iowa wins this game and what happens after that we'll talk about the possibilities but um is there a chance iowa loses this thing on saturday in indiana farmers coliseum which is a whole different story in itself you know i think there's a chance i'm not I'm not going to predict it, but, you know, it's March Madness. <laughs> I'm not going to predict that Iowa loses. I'm going to predict that Iowa wins. But uh, I, No, that's what I meant. You don't, you, you're not going to predict Iowa loses? <laughs> I, thought, I thought really hard about this one a lot, you know. I, but, and I was, kind of, I was kind of on a roll there. I picked, you know, I picked the, the sweep the one week. I picked. The, the split the next week I picked Illinois and I thought, you know, I'm just, I feel like I was going to win this game, but it's, it's March madness. I mean, it, it's a, it's always possible. Uh, if unlikely it's when you look at grand Canyon, the thing that's interesting 
most interesting to me about them is when you think of like an underdog team in March Madness from a small, not not a small university, but a, a small program in Grand Canyon, small conference. You think of an upset special team being a team that has experienced guards, good three-point shooting, um, potentially maybe like a pressure defense or some sort of thing that's just going to throw a wrench into a a high majors game game plan or system. And Grand Canyon is actually a big, slow team, which is not something we see a lot from some of these mid-majors. So that's kind of interesting. I think just based on watching them play, I, I, you know, I, they're good, but they're not, they're not on Iowa's level and it's a team Iowa should be, but that, that is one thing to watch. I think it's not like a Lehigh when they beat Duke or like, um, you know, name your mid-major. It's, it, they have a little bit different profile roster wise. It seems like. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I, I think the only way that Iowa has, serious trouble in this game is if Garza gets in foul trouble Mm -hmm. and the NCAA officials call it the opposite of the way they called the Illinois game last Saturday. And, you know, Garza gets two quick ticky tacks or something and he finds himself with four fouls with 12 minutes to go or something because uh, Grand Canyon has the seven footer and the six ten guy. And maybe they go to work then because Iowa doesn't have Jack Nunji. It doesn't have a backup center. It just doesn't. And, Garza is going to play big minutes in this tournament. That's no surprise. So if he just plays his game, I mean, I think that he'll, you know, look, these Grand Canyon guys, they haven't played anybody like this guy. And I'm not, I'm not dismissing them. I mean, I don't do that. I love the so-called mid-majors. I love them. Uh, but, 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 uh, reality sets in at some point, they're not playing Luca Garza, who's a, unanimous first team All-America. They're playing Seattle and Utah Valley and, uh, you know, who's it and what's it of Division One basketball at New Mexico State. And I can't name them all and I'm not going to, but there's some Cal team in there somewhere, I'm sure. They avoided Chicago uh, State this year, though. Yeah, Chicago State. They really belong in the Western Athletic <laughs> Conference. But, 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 you know, what they are, though, is this is a, a, a university that's a, it's, it's like it's trying to supplant Arizona State as the University of Phoenix and in the state of Arizona. And they've got like 20,000 students and, and I think 70,000 online students. It's one of these places. It's a for profit. And they want to be a basketball school. They, you know, they don't have football. So they had Dan Marley, who's one of the most popular athletes who's ever been in Phoenix, Arizona, and he was the head coach, did a nice job until last year things went a little off. They canned him. It's like, we want something better. And they brought in Bryce Drew, who's taken two other schools to the NCAA tournament, had a disaster of a year in his last season at Vanderbilt, but uh, the guy has taken three teams to the big dance. They're serious about this, and, and they're like a lot of programs. They're a, a, a way station for the unhappy, the disenchanted, the I want to be somebody somewhere else guys. This guy, the seven-footer Midgard of Denmark, he started at Wichita State. 
They've got a guard uh, uh, named Dixon who's played it. This is his third D1 school. And um, it's not that hard to throw together a basketball team real fast, and they've done it. Yeah, I think I, I read that they only had you know, two seniors that had been in the program since they since they were freshmen and sort of that went through that the D2 transition. And, and you're right about how serious they take it. I, um, because I, I was aware of the Dan Marley being the coach there. And um, when just when I was looking it up again this week, I expected to see that he had been fired. I just remembered him you know, being fired as like, oh, Grand Canyon was, had been slipping for a few years and wasn't going in the right direction. But they really only had one off year and they were like, bye, <laughs> we want to win. We want to get in the NCAA tournament and they've made it. And that that's their expectation now is they want to be one of those schools that is routinely in the NCAA tournament. And Midgard is, he, he's a solid player. I mean, like you said, comes from Wichita state and is probably not, he he's, you know, he's a, a talent and a size that you would not expect to see in from a whack team. Yeah. Um, watching him, uh, he, he, he does not, he's not as versatile as Garza, but he does have the size, the, the type of size that has, you know, kind of bothered Garza in, in games before, um, similar sizes like a Dickinson or a Coburn. He's nowhere near those guys, um, talent wise, or I even think just defensively, but it's something to keep in mind. The one thing I thought watching, um, their game against New Mexico state is, you know, it, it, it got past the under 16 and there hadn't been like a stoppage of play for a media timeout. And Midgard was asking out of the game five and a half minutes in. in. I mean, he, he had scored and mm-hmm. he was like doing one of these at the sideline. And it just kind of made me think, hmm, uh, I, I'm not sure that's going to be a guy that can keep up with Garza for for 40 minutes. Now, obviously, that could have been a sort of one off situation where maybe he was hurt. He had a little ding or something, but. Um, that, that well, he's, seven, he's like 270 pounds yeah, right he's, yeah most of those most guys that big are not running up and down the floor like Garza so that that's going to be a tough matchup for him but they do have Laver the other big guy who's much more versatile solid three-point shooter and, and can step out so that's going to be an interesting matchup but like you said it would be a game where Iowa would have liked to have Nunji um, just for that extra support especially defensively but in the end, I, I think they'll, I think they'll manage. Yeah, I do too. And, you know, I'll, I'll repeat it. Midgard has not guarded Luca Garza. Right. And he's going to see some things that he hasn't seen on a college basketball court. I mean, I don't know what he saw in competition in Denmark, but <laughs> they don't do what Garza does in the whack. <laughs> um, okay. How about we look ahead then? I mean, we can do that. The coaches and players can't or say they can't. We can. I was on social media and I saw people, fans saying they were taking it one game at a time. I was like, no, no, leave that to the players. That's (laughs) not their job. (laughs) When I I use that excuse at home, I – I don't use that excuse at all. (laughs) I can't can't look ahead to when the bills are due. (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, the second round game, I mean, here's the deal in this tournament. I don't care who you are. 
you look at Illinois or Gonzaga, they're in the same boats. There's no skating to the Sweet 16. I don't think there is. Some years, number one seeds do. But I don't think this is one of those years. I mean, Gonzaga would have to play the winner of Oklahoma and, what is it, Arkansas? Or... Uh, Gonzaga, uh, Missouri. Missouri, okay. Those are two capable teams. You know, I'd pick Gonzaga over either, of course, but... Um, well, Iowa with a number two seed will get either Oregon or VCU. Um, it, if Iowa is still playing on after Saturday night, then you can't look past the next game. <laughs> I mean, Oregon was the regular season champion in the Pac-12. That's not chop liver. Mm-mm. You know, that's a team that's 20 and six. Dana Altman, I mean, he falls out of bed and wins 20 games every year. And then VCU is, is like, you got to explain to people, a lot of people, who they are. They play in the Atlantic 10. They win a lot of games. They were in the A-10 title game. And they've got a lot of impressive statistics that I'll talk about. Uh, okay, so how dangerous is the Monday game for Iowa? That, you know, looking at, at Oregon, if you're a two seed, you don't expect to be playing a power conference champion in the second round. And that's what Iowa possibly could be faced with. Now, obviously the Pac-12 is fifth on that power, probably sixth, maybe, if you include the Big East. But uh, but, but yet, it's the conference of champions. <laughs> it's the conference of champions. I was just thinking, Bill, what a... What, how amazing it would be if Bill Walton was calling the Grand Canyon Iowa game. It's too bad because oh, he would have the a field. Things would stay about that hole in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but the and if it was the Ducks, he would be doing a lot of quacking, of course. Yes. So we're going to be missing that. <laughs> but Oregon is a uh, it's a dangerous team, and not just because they they won the Pac-12, and um, I guess the reason they're a seven seed is because they really didn't have a, a ton of quality wins because there weren't a ton to come by in the Pac-12, yeah. but it's, um, it's a team that um, was on, I think two different COVID pauses uh, and um, like right around January and early February, didn't really get to play a lot, dealt with some injuries to some of their key guys, but now they've really started to gel and won a bunch of games here at the end of the year and until they lost to, Oregon State, which somehow won the Pac-12 tournament, but a uh, familiar face is their highest usage player, Omar Rui, the Rutgers transfer. Um, and then you look at Chris Duarte, the, the guard is uh, an, an NBA prospect and a very difficult matchup yeah. on, on that end. And so that that that's a really dangerous team. And again, I Iowa would be favored against Oregon and VCU, but I I mean. To me, it looks like it's like thinking about Wisconsin as I can't remember if they're the eight or the nine seed, but think about the battles Iowa had with Wisconsin as an eight or that's what you're that's what you're going to expect against in a second round game. It's you, you don't just get a walk to the to the sweet 16. It's um, it's an un big 10 team. Mm. I mean, they they don't have a starter taller than six, six. But uh, and it's not a great rebounding team. But 
They force about 14 turnovers a night. They, they make like, they make over seven steals a game. Uh, they score. You mentioned Omarui. Eugene of Eugene. Again, you didn't use his <laughs> proper name. Yeah. <laughs> Did not even make that connection. That's amazing. No. And uh, Duarte's a terrific player. They've, they, they've, their players come from everywhere but Oregon. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. They've got uh, Omar, um, I can never say his name. Omarui is a Canadian. Uh, Duarte is from the Dominican Republic. They've got three guys from Michigan. Mass they've got Massachusetts, Georgia in their rotation. They don't even have anybody from the Western time zone. Uh, but this is, you know, that's college basketball life. They, they've got, uh, they are quick. They are aggressive. And uh, first they have to beat VCU. And, and they're a good shooting team too. And yeah, you're right about VCU led by Mr. Bones Highland, who <laughs> I learned is that that is actually a nickname that uh, he was given because he was so skinny. And it made me realize that I was not good enough at basketball to be nicknamed Bones, unfortunately, growing up. But <laughs> VCU, I mean, a, 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 everybody remembers their run to the Final Four and like and just the way they used to play under Shaka Smart and um, the last few years, they they were kind of they didn't really play like that anymore. But they're back to a pressure defense team and yeah. a team that could really really mess with with Iowa's ball handling if if that were to be the case. So that that's another tough matchup if that were to be the case. Well, this impressed me when I was trying to bone up on VCU. They're fifth in the nation in both block shots and steals. That's quite a combination. Yeah. You know, and uh, they've got a 6'9 guy off the bench who has 61 block shots. Uh, uh, the, as a team, they've got 140. That is a ton for, for uh, 26 games. You know, uh, they're just a good defensive team. I, 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 uh, I think offensively, from what I've seen, nothing special. Their outside shooting is pedestrian. Um, you know, they're not a big scoring team, but they just, they play winning basketball in a, in a pretty good D1 league. The A-10 is like the next step down from the big boys. Yeah, I don't, I really don't know who to give the edge to in that first round game of Oregon and VCU. And I, I think either way, Iowa's going to have a handful with either of those teams. I don't know, do you, is, do you think Iowa would have – obviously, they're not going to say they do, but do you think Iowa would have a preference of who they matched up with in the second round? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I Maybe Oregon just because Garza would just dwarf those guys. Yeah. And uh, I, I haven't researched how Oregon has done against good big men, I, for instance, USC's, but uh, – I mean, it's unimaginable to me that a major college team the Garza is playing against won't have anybody taller than 6'6 in the starting lineup. That would be intriguing. Yeah, that, that would be. I, I think I think they would probably rather play Oregon just because Garza would have that advantage. And the way VCU plays defense, I think Iowa can sort of play its game a little bit more against Oregon. 
Um, I, the last time Oregon played USC, I think was that, that kind of like rescheduled game on that Monday night a few weeks ago, about a month ago, I guess, that wasn't even scheduled originally. And um, I think so Mobley had 11 points in 34 minutes. So really didn't do a whole lot, but yeah, I, I, I think I would give the edge to, or I would, if I were Iowa, I would probably rather play Oregon. Uh, something that I want to mention here, and I'm uh, groping to find it in uh, on the internet as we talk, which is not too professional, but okay. Uh, Historically, number twos against number 15s, which Iowa is dealing with Saturday, uh, number twos are 132 and eight. That's pretty good. You'll take that. Yeah. yeah. Would you, if you didn't already know this, well, you probably wouldn't be able to get this, but the last number two that lost to a 15, who was it? Well, I remember that I believe Michigan State lost to Middle Tennessee and Norfolk State beat Missouri the same year. Yeah, five years ago, Middle Tennessee beat Michigan State. Yeah. 90 to 81, in fact. Yeah. That's the last time. That was five years ago, and it's only the eighth time in the history of the tournament. That's That covers 35, two against 15s, 140 games. So I always got the – history in, a, in favor of it. Then we get to the twos against either the sevens or tens. Uh, Oregon's the seven. The twos are 68 and 29 against sevens. 70%. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. I like that. The twos against the tens are 38 and 22. That's only 63%. That's weird. Mm. And uh, here's something that kind of surprised me is that the twos against the threes, which would be in the Sweet 16 if Kansas and Iowa get there, the twos are 41 and 27, 60%. So that's pretty good. Uh, how many twos do you think have won national titles since the tournament expanded to 64 teams, which was 1985? So that's 35 that, that, years. Yeah, 34, 35 tournaments. Um, I would probably say like six, seven, maybe close five, five. Yeah. Uh, 22 number one seeds have won it all. Wow. So it's, it's good to be King, but (laughs) number twos have got a pretty good record in this thing. Number twos have won 70% of every game they've played in NCAA tournaments. And, uh, well over 70% in the first week of NCAA tournaments. So I'm trying to give positive feedback for everybody out there, the nervous Nellies who've seen bad stuff happen before, because the last time Iowa was seated higher than seventh, you know what happened. (laughs) The year was 2006. The Palace of Auburn Hills, Northwestern State. Oh, man. We, We know the rest. Purple teams with Northwestern in the name, something about. Yeah, they're not. They don't have a single one in front of them in Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> that that's the good news. And of course, on the positive side, the last time Iowa was a two seed, it went to the Elite Eight. I know it didn't end 
exactly how you wanted it to when they got there, but right. they had a nice memorable run there. So, but, but if you recall, and maybe you won't since you weren't alive then, <laughs> they, Iowa had hard, hard games in the second yeah. round and in the sweet 16. Uh, they, I don't even remember who they played in the first round, but they, they, Santa beat Clara. Yeah. Okay. They, they won convincingly. They played very well. The, the, the round of 32, they play UTEP, and that went to the very end. A fellow named Tim Hardaway played for UTEP, and he was fun to watch. And, I mean, we're, that was the round of 32. Mm-hmm. UTEP wasn't even supposed to be there. They played Arizona on Arizona's home court, and UTEP took them out. And then, boy, they gave Iowa everything they wanted. So being a number two seed means you get one bunny – you probably don't get two. Well, in the last couple of years, you know, Iowa fans are familiar with sort of that two seed second round matchup. Um, they ran into some juggernauts, uh, Gonzaga, Villanova, that just blasted them and games that we would have went into that thinking Iowa had a, a shot of staying close and making that a game. So obviously that's what you want to see is a, a comfortable win, but I don't think in, I just don't see either of these first two games being games where you, your Iowa fans are going to be too comfortable early. Part of that is just the, the pace that Grand Canyon plays where they can, you know, they're going to slow it down and potentially have a lower possession game. Um, Iowa has done fairly well in those games. I think Wisconsin has played three of their four lowest possession games. And obviously Iowa came out on top in all three, but a couple of those were, close because the, they weren't scoring a ton of points. Um, I still think Iowa wins comfortably, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout from the first five minutes. Mm-hmm. And then the same with Oregon or VCU. That's just, you, I just don't think you, you can go into that expecting a, an easy double digit victory. Mm-hmm. And talking specifically about the Hawkeyes, you can't count on anything health wise. Mm. You know, it's like just, especially, of course, with Frederick and Wieskamp. Well, Wieskamp looked pretty healed up to me. But for, uh, McCaffrey said that Frederick wasn't right in the last seven minutes of that Illinois game. So it's like, okay, you rest up until we play again. You got to have everybody who's left. You got to have everybody who's left, you know, from here on out. Uh so it's a fingers crossed deal with with Frederick and to a lesser extent, I think Wieskamp. Yeah, I think, you know, we talked about this before the Big Ten tournament, but I, I think in the long run, it's it's OK that Iowa lost that semifinal game because and, and I, I, I believe the coaching staff would have made the, the smart choices uh, personnel wise in that championship game. But the pressure and the the opportunity there to right. win a Big Ten championship is going to it plays a role and to not even have to think about playing those guys an extra minute, um, I think is, is beneficial for this NCAA tournament run because you're right. They need everybody. And it, it's not the same type of turnaround as that, as that big 10 tournament, but it's still two potentially high intensity games in, in three mm-hmm. days and mm-hmm. in a different weird environment than what players are used to. Yes. Yes. And History's full of teams that had a lot of fun at conference tournaments and tore through the thing, or like Ohio State 
played four games in four days and almost won it. And then as soon as they come back, they just seem flat. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, I hate to look way ahead this week, but just for fun, what do you think awaits in the Sweet 16 if Iowa could get there? And I guess the, the, the two obvious answers are Kansas or USC, but are those the answers? Probably. And I, I think a lot of Iowa fans were excited to see Kansas pop up on the three line just because of the question marks that are surrounding them having to pull out of the big 12 tournament. Um, I, I didn't, I don't think I saw the latest update, but I think there was still questions about whether McCormick, their big guy was even going to be able to, to play in the NCAA tournament because of whatever COVID positive or contact tracing situation involved them. So if you if you're saying that's your three seed that that seems pretty favorable i obviously that's not nobody wants to see kansas have to pull out i'm not saying they would but or players have to miss games um because of covid but if that is the situation you know that's what you deal with so but i i think when i just filled out a bracket and just went through it and just picked I usually just go through it and pick whatever comes to my mind, whatever feels right. And then I'll just go back and figure out if that actually <laughs> made any sense. But when I, when I, when I just picked it, I, I picked USC to, to advance that far um, into the sweet 16. And I think that's going to be a popular pick because of Mobley and both Mobley's, but especially the freshman Evan, um, a potential top two, top three NBA draft pick seven feet, can pass, can score, defend. It's just going to be, again, a really tough matchup for Garza. And just like Garza is going to be a tough matchup for him if, if it comes to fruition. So I USC, though, has lost, like, they lost, like, three out of their last four. I watched their game against Colorado in the Pac-12 tournament, and they just looked okay. So, again, it, it would be a game Iowa would be favored in, but I think that's a that would be an interesting matchup if it, if it got that far. And um, I know most people in the state of Iowa would uh, rather see Iowa and Drake in the Sweet 16. Yeah. That's going to take some doing. Yeah. I mean, that's going to take some real doing. First yeah. of all, Drake's got to get into the round of 64. I'm going to that game Thursday night, I'm happy oh, to really? say. And um, Drake and Wichita State, that's – that's kind of a toss-up game. And then if Drake wins, it gets USC. And that would be interesting how Drake deals with Evan Mobley. I mean, this guy is – they're talking about him as like a number three or four pick in the NBA draft, mm-hmm. seven-footer. Well, Drake's got uh, Darnell Brody, who I've been really impressed with watching him this year. That does not look like a Missouri Valley Conference post player necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, he So, you know – obviously it'd be tough it's going to be tough for him if they get that far to match up against a possible nba star but it's uh they do at least have some size to go against him i i'm not familiar with wichita state's team i know that they're a two-point pick in this game last i looked uh do you know much about them can it how's drake's chances i haven't seen them too much but they don't have much on the resume beyond beating Houston, which is really what carried them into the tournament. I think the the big story with them is is the interim coach that's now the full time coach because of the the Greg Marshall situation in the off season, um, where with allegations of 
bullying and player mistreatment and um, they let him go and I like seven or eight players at least transferred and yet here they are with the, an interim coach who's been named the full-time coach Isaac Brown and so they're going to be really excited to, to be in this game but I think it's a game Drake can win for sure. Mm. Is there anybody on the Gonzaga side of the bracket who can put an end to Gonzaga season? Uh, I have to go through and remember what's, what's the matching. Virginia would be the highest. I think Virginia is the four and Creighton's the five. Yeah. I, I, I don't see either of those teams. I I guess Creighton um, with the way they can score um, would have a chance of keeping up with the Gonzaga and sort of a one-off game and, and and possibly winning. But it, it is funny how Gonzaga got paired with, a two, three, two, three, and four seeds that they've already beaten by double digits. So Gonzaga to me is the clear favorite and Creighton, as I said, that has had some really questionable results over the last few weeks and just got blown out by Georgetown in the Big East title game. So they're probably not going to be a popular pick. I I would expect Gonzaga to uh, at least make the elite eight. And I would expect them to, when I just picked it, I mean, they're my national championship pick. They're just, Mm -hmm the most talented team to me with experience they can score they can defend they're they're just the most complete team in the country to me and so i i think another game against iowa would be fun but um right now i i have gonzaga going all the way yeah if i were iowa i would rather i think see anybody else in a regional final if it gets to that i mean i i I know they lost twice to illinois but i think if iowa plays a a great game, it can beat Illinois. I'm not sure. I mean, sure, it, it could beat Gonzaga, but it would take a supreme effort, I think. I mean, you're talking about a team with how many NBA players? Three? Uh, yeah, at least. Hmm. Well, that's uh, – it hasn't been as much the case in recent years, but usually the rule of thumb is you got to have two or three NBA players to win the thing. Hmm. And that's, it's kind of gone by the wayside a little bit, but even Virginia a couple of years ago had a couple of guys who had, who either are in the NBA or who are on, you know, G league on the cusp of NBA. Um, should we look back at the big 10 tourney real quick? Yeah. What was that? What was that experience like? Uh, it was good. The, I was very leery about, having it in a football stadium and it, you know, it's, it's impossible to be ideal, mm. but it was configured as best they could. They had a curtain going right down the middle of the stadium to make it feel, you know, half as big. And the fans were pretty close for the most part, although with the 8,000 seating cap, there were a lot of people upstairs too, but they made noise. And it was so nice to hear real crowd noise instead of the canned garbage <laughs> and, you know, real reactions, both positive, negative, and what have you, before, during, and after the game. That was, it's like, okay, that's how this thing's supposed to be. So that gave me, uh, it's like after an entire season of studio basketball, that was fun. And the basketball itself was really interesting I thought because my my number one observation coming away from it is there are there are guards in that league who weren't on the top two 
all Big Ten teams, and in some cases, not even on the top three Big Ten, all Big Ten teams, who are really good. Uh, Andre Corbella of Illinois had a great tournament. He is he's a freshman who is just a difference maker, and he gave Iowa fits. And then on Ohio State's side, Dwayne Washington and C.J. Walker had wonderful tournaments. Four straight days of good play. Really nice players. And Michigan's Mike Smith picked up the slack with Isaiah Liver's absence. And I saw Smith's game Friday. He was unbelievable. I mean, 15 assists and 18 points. Just uh, played a great game. And... So uh, the quality of play in that league is what people say it is, and big leads weren't safe. Purdue got way behind against Ohio State and came back. Uh, Michigan started slowly Friday against Maryland and came back. Um, a lot of resilience on those teams and a lot of talent and, and – uh, you know, sometimes I get real leery when conferences hype themselves nonstop for month after month. And it's like, okay, but your conference hasn't been a champion since the year 2000. Win the championship and then talk about it. But I think that they've got the horses for somebody to get it done and maybe get a couple teams to the final four. Your thoughts? I, I agree with you. I I enjoyed watching the tournament on, on TV. It felt much more like a, a normal conference tournament than games that we've been seeing throughout the season because you could, like you said, you could hear the fans. I mean, you could hear Indiana fans booing their coach who is no longer their coach. I mean, you could hear Illinois fans booing Iowa's players and just living it up with their program back in the national prominence and, and it was cool. I mean, CBS was relentlessly, like obviously they're going to do, was relentlessly hyping that this was the first time that um, four top 10 teams were in a conference tournament semifinals. And the fact that we got mm -hmm. two rivalry games out of it in Michigan, Ohio State, and mm -hmm. Iowa, Illinois, I mean, you could not, if you're the Big Ten, you could not have asked for a better week given the circumstances. So th I thought that was great to see. Going into the tournament, it seems like Illinois is kind of a, a popular pick among a lot of people to at least reach the national championship game, if, if not win at all, just because of the way they're playing. Um, they've got Desumu back and he is a capable difference maker. Um, he's going to probably more than anybody get the, the Kemba Walker comparison, even though Illinois is a one seed and is plenty capable of has a talent. But I, Kofi Coburn is, has impressed me even more over the last couple of weeks than he did already. And he was just dominant. Um, yeah. Garza still got his stats, but Kofi played an incredible game, uh, both sides of the ball. And I, I think I'd said before a few weeks ago that I was sort of questioning where he ranked just because he has a sort of a limited um, outside game, doesn't have much of a jump shot, um, doesn't really shoot free throws very well. But if he if he's using his size and athleticism to dominate like that, it really doesn't matter. That 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 is a a huge piece of it for Illinois. And like you said, Curbelo is just sunshine. I mean, he, he is just 
smiling and all over the place uh, defensively can dribble through anybody. And so Illinois is, is the, the team most capable of, of winning the national championship out of the big 10 to me. Part of that is because of livers injury with Michigan. Um, but I don't know. I, I, what do you think uh, sort of that national narrative coming out of this is, is if the big 10 goes another year without winning a national championship there, I think there, you know, there's obviously going to be jokes about it, but is there going to be sort of a referendum on the hype the big 10 gets almost every year with the amount, just because of the depth, but they don't have that national championship. I think if you get a team or two to the final four and, they're in a knockdown drag out. No, I don't think so. But if you have teams stepping on banana peels too early or they go up against Gonzaga or Baylor or Cade Cunningham or, you know, pick your wild card good team and do a belly flop, then, yeah, they're going to get mocked. I'd be surprised if that happened. Yeah. I mean, you talked about Coburn and, I mean, He just, I mean, his points came easy. Yeah. He gets position and he doesn't get budged and he loses his defenders. And, uh, you know, Garza in the last few weeks in in head-to-heads against Dickinson and and Colburn has come up second best. Mm -hmm. So uh, Iowa to me has to play at its peak to have a chance in this thing. Uh, Illinois has got, I mean, Dosumu can carry them if he has to. Uh, Frazier can get hot and light you up. Curbelo makes things happen, distributes the ball. They're, they're spacing and ball movement sensational. And then they're just, uh, Coburn's going to eventually face somebody who's his equal, but it might take quite a while in that tournament. Uh, I don't know where the others fit. I think Ohio State's always capable of beating anybody. Michigan? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, they still got great players, but uh, – and Wagner's to me, is an NBA player. But are they ready for the biggest stage? I'm just not sure. And I wouldn't rule out Purdue – getting to like the elite eight. I don't know their path. I haven't had a lot of time to look at the other three regions. I think they're they're, in Baylor's bracket. Okay. Well, I mean, Trevion Williams and some of those guys on Purdue's team are tough suckers. And, you know, they, uh, Painter knows how to get through a, a bracket up to a point. So that's going to be interesting. And I think the big 12 is going to be somebody to watch with Baylor, with Texas, and with Oklahoma State. Uh, They could all bomb in a bad way, but they also, in my mind, could be in this thing for quite a while. Funny you mentioned that because when I was just going through the bracket and just picking what kind of popped to my mind based on how the trends are playing and how I've seen teams playing lately, I ended up with all three of those teams in the Final Four. I'll probably go back and and change that because if I look at some of those individual matchups a little bit close, more closely, I'm not sure I would. Cause I just see Texas in the final four, for instance. And I'm like, ah, I, I don't know how I ended up with that, but I think if you're Illinois, you're 
little bit, not worried, but you're kind of salty at the committee for giving Oklahoma State a four seed when that, that, that team just beat Baylor and nearly won the Big 12 tournament, has the, the best yeah. NBA prospect in the country. I mean, that's not a team you want to face uh, in a Sweet 16 game. So that, that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, uh, there are a lot of people out there who thought that was going to be a, I was, you know, two or a three. And yeah, I, yeah. I'm not, you know, that's, I, if you're Iowa, you're glad not to see them, you know, in, on, in that bracket, you just are. And uh, I agree with you on Texas. I mean, if they've got things right, they, they can be dynamic. Mm-hmm. So looking forward to this tournament. Uh, I guess we should wrap this up uh, and we don't want to spend too much on the, the looking ahead a week or two weeks, but you're saying Gonzaga for the whole enchilada. I am. Okay. I'm, I find that hard to argue against. I saw them in person and they're the best team I've seen, but by a sliver over Illinois. Uh, it's just that with with Timmy Kispert and Suggs and I cannot pronounce his name right. Ayayi, I think you got it. That's four players who you can't. I mean, you can't sag on anybody on that team, or you're going to get killed. And uh, uh, I just, uh, I, you know, I'm, I wouldn't bet on Gonzaga because they got low odds, but I sure wouldn't bet against them. Yeah, it's it's gonna it's one of those situations where people, not everybody, but it's it, they kind of slip out of the national picture a little bit against the West Coast conference schedule. I know they played BYU, but that's not it wasn't a ranked BYU team this year. St. Mary's was down, so they haven't played anybody really really good in a while. But I just I cannot shake what I saw in the in the non conference schedule. They were so good. It occurs to me, I should have asked you this like Bill Walton at the beginning of this. Have you ever been to the Grand Canyon? (laughs) (laughs) What's your name again? (laughs) Oh, God, I'm going to miss him. I know. (laughs) Maybe I'll be on the NIT calls on ESPN. I hope so, but... You know, this conference of champion stuff when these teams always go down in flames so fast. It's <laughs> And then he was heartbroken because Kentucky didn't get in. <laughs> I heard that he was arguing very hard for Oregon State to get in that large bit if they had it won on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but he calls the NCAA tournament – no, he uh, – is it the tournament committee? Yeah, he calls the Politburo. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> uh, we'll miss him. Yes. All right. Um, I presume there's all there's next week. Who knows? How can we ever know? But if there is, see you then. <laughs> <laughs>